Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. You're on your game today. You're on your game. Happy Easter. It is great to be together on the other side of our season of Lent to worship and to celebrate the gift of new life. So I did a little research, and it turns out that God's favorite prefix is re. What's a prefix? What's a prefix, Jerry? Um, it's kind of like a. Uh, it's a thing that goes in front of a word. Exactly. It's a thing, like a syllable or two, that goes in front of a word. And what does it do to that word that it goes in front of? It makes it different. It makes it different. It changes the meaning of that word, doesn't it? So here's a little known fact. Before I was a pastor, I was a high school English teacher for years. So I know about these things. And it is true that God's favorite prefix is re. So here are a few examples of some other prefixes before we talk more about this particular one. Anti is a prefix. And if you put anti in front of a word, what does it do to that word? Makes it against. Against, right? Against or opposed, as in antisocial, right? So here's another one. This. If you put this in front of a word, what does it do to that word? Not. It makes it, yeah, it, it reverses it. It makes it the opposite. As in disable or dis-ease, right? Here's another prefix. Inter. When you put inter in front of a word. Among. Among or between. Between. As in international, Right? Between or among nations. And one more. Oops, that was all of them. <laughs> but it turns out that God's favorite prefix is re, as in resurrection. Did you ever think about that word before? It's an interesting word. The word, the, the prefix re is added to what is not actually a word. Surrection is kind of a base word. It always has a prefix in But surrection, wherever it appears, I, I googled this, so I know it's true, <laughs> has something to do with a rising. For example, can you think of another word that has surrection on the end of it? Insurrection. Insurrection, right? An insurrection is an uprising, like a revolt or a rebellion. Well, it turns out that resurrection and insurrection actually have some commonalities. They, are, they come from the same base word. Re is God's favorite word, and when you add it to resurrection, what you get is a... Well, we didn't talk about what is What does re mean when you put that in front of a word? Again. It makes it again. So a rising again. That's what a resurrection is, right? A rising again. And in a way, resurrection is a kind of rebellion. It's a kind of revolt. It's a kind of resistance against authority, the very authority of life itself. I like that way of thinking about it. God's favorite prefix is re. So we're going to hear the story of resurrection. And while you listen to this story, the story of Easter, the story of Jesus coming to life again, I invite you to listen for words that start with 
are. There are several of them, so pay attention. So listen to the sacred story of our Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb, bringing the fragrant spices they had for them. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them in gleaming, bright clothing. The women were frightened and bore their faces towards the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look to the living among the dead? He is in there with the race. Remember what he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the human one must be crucified to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his word. When they returned from the home, they reported all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, John, Mary the mother of Jairus, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. For words struck the apostles as nonsense, and they didn't believe the women. But Peter ran to the tomb. When he bent over to look inside, he saw only the linen cloth. Then he returned home, wondering what had happened. Did you catch those? So what were the three words, the three R-E words that we heard? Return. Return. Report. Report. Remember. Remember. So let's start with return. The women go to the tomb. They encounter something that they're trying to make sense of. They are remembering what Jesus said, but they are still who they are, and their community is still their community. So they return to where they came from. They go back to where they started. But they know something is different. Peter goes to the tomb, but he returns home. But they go back to where they started to try to make sense of what has happened. They return, and they try to integrate this new experience with who they are now. Report. Even though the women might not have it all figured out, even though they have many questions about what is going on, they tell their story. They have a personal account and they report it to the disciples. And they probably knew that they might not be believed. Right? They're women. These are men. This is 2,000 years ago. They have the story to tell. And they tell it. Even though they don't understand, even though they have many questions, and even though they know they may very well not be believed, they report. They report this thing that they don't know much about, but they know what they have seen. They have seen men shining in white robes, and they have seen an empty tomb. And even though that doesn't make any sense, they report it. They report the resurrection. 
they remember. The only way to make sense of this strange and unexpected experience of the resurrection was to remember everything that Jesus had said. Can you imagine following Jesus, having him be arrested and killed, and hiding with a bunch of people who have been following Jesus? What would you do? You would tell all of the stories of what you had experienced together, and you would say to each other, well, what did it mean when Jesus said this? What, would it, what did it mean when Jesus said this? What about when this happened? How does this all work? How does it make sense? They remembered everything they could. And then, when they go to the tomb, the men in shining white say, remember what Jesus yeah. told you. That he would rise on the third day. Maybe they had remembered that before, but if they had forgotten, they were reminded to remember that Jesus said he would rise on the third day. They remembered So return, report, remember. There are lots of re-words in this story, and these are words that we associate with Easter. But there's one, at least one re-word that doesn't belong with Easter, and that is retail, right? Isn't it interesting how retail can creep into all of our celebrations, including our, the celebrations at the heart of our faith, including this one that we call Easter. A couple of years ago, a church in Texas hosted what they called the Mama of All Easter Egg Hunts. They advertised this event heavily, enticing people by promising more than 50,000 eggs and more than a million dollars in prizes. What do you think happened? Lots of people came, right? Just tons and tons of Another church hosted an Easter egg hunt with eggs containing certificates for flat screen televisions, <laughs> skateboards, fender guitars, furniture, and get this, 15 cars. I'm not kidding, there were certificates for cars in the Easter egg. And this is to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Right? Maybe you've heard about this one. Have you heard about these? Now, now churches have moved beyond the egg hunt to the Easter egg drop, where they drop eggs from helicopters in giant fields to attract people to come. So this one, uh, which is in California, 40,000 eggs dropped from a helicopter. Also, see the parachuting Easter bunny <laughs> to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Does this make anyone uncomfortable? <laughs> I know that when churches do this, they have, their, their heart is in the right place. They want to introduce the message of Jesus to more people. And they think that if they can only attract people, then people will hear the message. I've even heard of churches, even local churches, actually, requiring people to attend their Easter worship to participate in the Easter egg drop. Okay? So there's, there's a problem with this, I think, because retail is not a word that belongs with Easter, in my opinion. So recently I read a blog post by this very insightful um, pastor from Seattle named Eugene Cho. 
he pastors a church called Quest in Seattle that is a, an intergenerational, multiracial, multicultural congregation with a real heart for justice. And so in this blog post, he's talking about what makes him uncomfortable about this consumeristic sort of angle at Easter. And he identifies three things that he thinks are wrong about this. And I just want to share them with you. Number one, what you use to attract, you must use to teach people. Let us think about that for a second. Again, I think the motivation is an okay one. We want to introduce people to Jesus. But what you use to attract people, you must use to keep people. And it's so easy to be about keeping people as if people are the consumers of the religious goods and services that we have to offer. You see? So that's number one. Number two, along with it, consumption breeds more consumption. I actually believe that consumption is not a word that belongs in the Christian vocabulary. We actually believe in compassion over consumption. One of our core values as a community is simplicity. That is trying to really kind of push back against this consumer mentality that is such a big driving force in our culture and actually practice simplicity and compassion. We strive, rather than consuming, to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God. Consumption breeds more consumption. And finally, he says, the gospel is enough. Right? The gospel is enough. So this is about uh, pushing back against gadgets and gimmicks and prizes and instead focusing on loving people, welcoming people, all people, no exceptions, practicing deep hospitality. That is the message of Easter. Doing justice, loving kindness, walking humbly with God. That is the message of Easter. And proclaiming a message of good news that is so good that it is compelling all by itself without Easter egg drops and parachuting Easter bunnies. A message that God loves us infinitely, that God forgives us, that God invites us into relationship, and then challenges us to be instruments of God's healing and God's hope in a broken and hurting world. All by itself. The gospel is enough. It is good news. It is glorious news. It is gospel news. So two other words that don't go with Easter, that start with three, are revenge and retribution. A few weeks ago, I preached a sermon about Jesus looking at the city of Jerusalem and imagining himself being a mother hen. And imagining his death that was to come. And still having compassion upon the people who were going to kill him. And saying he longed to be a mother hen who gathered those people to him. So then it happens. Jesus is killed. Jesus is tortured. Jesus is brutally and publicly murdered. And if that were a TV movie, or if that were a movie in the theaters, if the main character came back to 
to life. After being brutally murdered, what would happen? That person who came back to life would come back with guns blazing, right? There would be hell to pay, right? That is the story that our culture teaches us. Revenge and retribution are ours. You need to stand up for yourself and you need to tell them what's what and you need to get what is yours, right? That is not the Easter story. The Easter story tells us that Jesus somehow, in a way that we don't understand, had power enough to overcome death. Jesus had the power to overcome death. So we would think that if he wanted to, he would have the power to overcome the rulers in Jerusalem. Maybe even the Roman authorities. But Jesus comes back to life after being brutally murdered. And revenge and retribution are so far from any reality in that. Jesus comes back to life in peace and in reconciliation and in resurrection. So revenge, retribution, and retail are not Easter words. But how about some other words that begin with the prefix re. How about renewal? How about rebirth? How about redeem? Or rebuild? How about God's call to each one of us to recreate, to be a part of God's recreating again and again and again. You see, God's favorite prefix is re. And when you add re to a word, what does it mean? Again. Or again and again. Or again and again and again. All over again. I think one of the most powerful words of Easter is Most of all, when we take it apart, as remember, we remember the story of Jesus. Every time we share communion, every week when we share communion, we say we remember Jesus. But it's not just the recalling of the facts, it is the remembering. It is the putting the pieces together in ourselves. It is the putting the pieces of our community together with one another. It is putting the pieces of our story and our lives together with the story of God. It is a remembering. It is a putting ourselves together with one another. And that changes everything. And it's not something we can do by ourselves. We remember together. 
Next week we're going to be kicking off a new uh, worship series for the weeks between Easter and Pentecost, which I think is on May 15th this year. And we're going to be focusing on another re-word, and that word is rely. Thinking about what it means as people of faith to rely fully on God. So the name of the series is The Faith of Leap, uh, based in part on a book by that title, The Faith of Leap, Embracing a Theology of Risk, Adventure, and Courage, written by two Australian pastors, Michael Frost and Alan Hirsch. So over the next six weeks, between Easter and Pentecost, we're going to think about what it means to rely on God as we embrace a theology of risk, adventure, and courage. How many of you enjoy taking risks? Any hands? Some are. How many of you would admit, would take the risk to admit that you are actually kind of risk averse? That's what I thought. And that's probably representative of, you know, the, of, of the, the population. There are people who appreciate and enjoy taking risks, and most people uh, are more likely risk averse. So we're going to think about what it means to move beyond what's familiar and comfortable, beyond the status quo, as individuals, but especially as a community, as we embrace together adventure and live in hope and take risks, and move beyond security and our own sense of control as a community. Putting our trust in the living God, the God of Easter, who continually calls us and then sends us out in mission, which involves always some risk. The truth is that life always, life always invites us to embrace adventure, risk, and courage. It just does. It just, life just keeps giving us opportunities to practice taking risks. And then when we can do that with a posture of reliance upon God, it makes all the difference. So I hope that you'll be here next Sunday when we kick off this series, and I hope that you will invite a friend that you think might appreciate or, or benefit from this series to join you next Sunday. So if you have ever been to Hope Gateway on Easter before, you have received an egg. In this egg is a chocolate. And in this egg, as well, is a piece of paper. And that piece of paper has the word community, inclusivity, creativity, simplicity, or transformation, which are our core values, or it has the word prayers, presence, gift, service, and witness, which are our community practices. So one of those words is on the slip of paper that is in your egg, and you, there is a challenge related with that word. And that challenge is that until May 1st, there is a practice, an activity, something that you will engage in that will form you, and we trust that it will form you in just the way you need right now in this very moment. You may not like it, <laughs> but 
but we trust that it is the right thing for you right now. So as the basket is coming around, we're going to take a few minutes to share some of the uh, challenges that you're finding in your eggs. Some of them, um, there are repeats, but there are many, many different ones, all relating to either a core value or a community practice of Hope Gateway. And some of them will invite you to take a risk, for sure, and to rely on God as you do that. So as the basket's making its way around, I hope there are enough eggs. By the way, our Hope Gateway kids assembled these last, last week during their class. So thanks to David and Christina who organized that, and thanks to our Raise Your Hand kids if you helped put the eggs together last Sunday. Let's give our kids a little round of applause. They worked really hard. And you know what the hardest part was? Not eating all the chocolate. That was the hardest part. For you? For me and for them. For David and Christina, right? Uh, but they worked really hard um, putting these together, and we're really grateful for that. So who has, a, who has already gotten the challenge and wants to share? We'll just take a few minutes and share some of the challenges that you have. Linda, let's hear yours. Yeah, Thanks, I got the same one. Did you really? So you can do it together. So So in a, in a religious tradition different than your own. So you can do that together. That's kind of neat. Yeah. All right, what did you get, Eva? Um, I have to four letters to people I appreciate. Four letters to people that you appreciate. Like thank you letters? You think you can do that? You have five weeks to do it. I bet you can. All right, Evan, what did you get? some old games that you don't play anymore, or clothes that you don't wear anymore. Are you happy about this, Evan? <laughs> you don't look super happy. Do you think there are things in your closet, in your bedroom, that you could get rid of and pass on to a new home? That's your challenge right there. All right, who else has something you want to share? Come on, take a risk. Eileen. Mine says creativity. Start a creative project and take some time to reflect on how it relates to your connection with God. Start a creative project. Very nice. Let's hear a few more. Yes. Keep a gratitude journal and make a list each day of things for which you're grateful and take time to thank God for A gratitude journal. Every day, make a list of things for which you're grateful. David? To pray now, pray first, read a book about spirituality or prayer or a story of someone else's picture. That should be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And David's going to be reading. Reading a book. Yes, what do you have, Miriam? Alright, let's hear two or three more. What do you have, Robert? Uh, between now and May 1st, start, talk to, or write to three sitting leaders of issues that you should have. And the same time, write to them. Write to your city leaders about an issue that you feel passionate about. That could be challenging. Could be cool. Alright, let's hear a couple more. Mine was creativity also, but it's a little different than I leads. Practice at least one random act of kindness a week for the next five weeks. If I do it for you, it's not random. 
guys have any original? Oh, what? What? What do you have? going to be doing the same thing. It's going to write letters to uh, city leaders about an issue they care about. And I know that someone got writing to state elected officials about state issues as well. Um, so yeah, so you have five weeks to set the challenge, and now's the time to start. Don't wait until the fifth week. I've done that before. Uh. It's better to start now and get a jump on it. And as Sarah said, if it's something that makes you squirm a little bit that you'd rather not do, that's probably just the one that you need to have. Did you want to share yours? Yeah, I have community. Okay. Learn honesty. By May 1, share with at least one person you trust how you are really doing. Yeah. Be intentional about sharing from your heart. There you go. That's a, that's a great practice. All right, so have fun with it, and don't be afraid to take a risk and accept the challenge. So, when you return home, to the same place you came from, with new information, report to someone what your challenge is, or how you're doing, or what you've seen and what you've heard. And remember that you are God's beloved, and that you are a part of this beautiful web called resurrection. And go to be resurrection in our world, because our world needs resurrection. Amen. Amen. Amen.